If you're metro, don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you Beautiful morning, hear the sound of my morning, babe Nothing on Welcome back to Nostalgia. <laughs> We're here, still waiting for the Frank track. This is Pat Sheehan. I'm with my co-host Dave. Dave, where is it? Not coming, man. It's not coming ever? What is it? November is the next alleged hinted release date? Fuck this shit. I'm not going to think about it until it's already out. It's not worth my time. Are you out on Frank Ocean? I'm not out on Frank Ocean. I'm just out on Wait getting you- hype for this non-committal ass hermit. It's annoying. <laughs> it's pretty annoying. I know everybody... You had a great tweet about it, actually, Friday morning, with an excellent gif. Yeah. Well, where is it? No, it's from Caddyshack. <laughs> well, we're waiting. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting. That's what it was. It was perfect. And where was Frank? Nowhere to be found. Didn't even say anything about it. Who cares? I think the world cares. Apparently, oh. I mean, I was I do, in fact, care. I don't, want to talk about, I don't want to give him the attention anymore. You're hurt. Well, we got, we got a great show lined up today. We won't be talking Frank Ocean like we had planned about, yeah. so scratch that. But I'll be talking about a concert I saw this weekend. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about the five-year anniversary of Watch the Throne, Jay-Z and Kanye collaboration. And we'll also be talking about Suicide Squad, which we both really, really liked. The August record for opening weekend and Thursday previews and best opening day. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the positives end. So I guess I'll start off talking about concerts last weekend. I saw Pearl Jam in Boston this weekend. Shout out Alyssa and Sean for housing me. Sean, friend of the podcast on our Game of Thrones podcast, soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod. Always stay plug in. So Pearl Jam, Fenway yeah. Park, August 7th. How many Pearl Jam songs can you name off the top of your head? One, Even Flow. Even Flow. And I, didn't, I don't like it. It's a great song. Yeah. I'm a cup of tea, dog. Even better in concert. Okay, so even flow. Any other songs? So I got Alive. Great Pearl Jam song. Jeffrey. Jeremy. Jeremy. Je- <laughs> Jeffrey's a new Young Thug mixtape on the horizon. <laughs> a, a Jeffrey is a, is a thing Russell Brand takes to calm himself down. Get into the Greek up. joke. That's six years old. Look kids. at this. That, that. That's a that's an old school poll for all you eighteen year olds <laughs> listening to our podcast. But I don't even know that shit. <laughs> so yeah, Pearl Jam, man, they were. They were fantastic. I mean, there's yeah. nothing quite like, a, in my opinion, nothing quite like a rock show. Even in an arena? Because you were in seats, right? Yeah, so our seats were pretty good. I had the pesky pole right in front of my view. So I had Didn't to... you not know that was a view from my seat.com, man? Well, that's the thing is I didn't know where our seats were until we got to Boston. That was your first we, we had to go to Will Call. Went to Boston, got Will Call, and didn't <laughs> even know where the ticket... Oh, man. Well, I didn't. I didn't pay. Three for these. strikes, you're already out. Man. I didn't pay for these tickets. Shout out Mike Tui, very funny comedian and brother to my girlfriend. I should probably mention that he bought us tickets to this, so we all went together. It was very generous of him, and my seats were pretty good. Except I, I had to like look around the pole to mm. see the very center of the stage, but otherwise it was fantastic. Pearl Jam rocks, man. They're kind of becoming. I feel like our generation, and maybe I guess the generation before us mostly, but our generation's Grateful Dead. Huh. There were people there who had, were seeing them for the 43rd time. Some people... Jesus. Yeah, I mean, people were talking about following them all around the country to see them. It's They're one of those bands that I think has had a very lasting... Oh, definitely. They uh, came out with the early 90s. Yeah, I think 1994 was when yeah. they first came out, and they're still considered one of the greatest rock bands today. I mean, they headlined a couple of major festivals, including Bonnaroo this year. Yeah, well, that also speaks to the lack of new rock bands. It does. Right. Rock is a, a topic we've been holding off, so we should probably pick a, a, a date to really talk about that more in depth. 
Yeah, definitely. Maybe before the Meadows when we're looking at the 1975 as the biggest rock band. Sound of your heart. Might, Best might be rock song time. of the past five years. Pearl Jam played 34 songs. They played from 7.30 to 11 o'clock at night with two on Two and a half hours? Wow. Yeah, so it was, a, it was crazy. They brought out Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith and did an Aerosmith cover. <sighs> they brought Missed out... Missed opportunity to do some Hamilton. <laughs> they brought out Jay Maskus, a very famous guitarist from... A band called Dinosaur Jr. He was ranked 86 on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Guitarists a couple of years back. And they played Neil Young's Rockin' in the Free World to close out the show. They also did a Ramones cover and uh, the Who cover. So, What Who song? It was Love Rain Over Me. So, oh yeah, that's a good one. That's it's a, from it's a, uh, yeah, it was Quadrophenia, a, I think. It was a fantastic song. I'm not the biggest Pearl Jam fan. I, I really respect their music. So I didn't know a lot of the words, which was... Something that if you don't know a lot of the words, you're not going to learn them from Eddie Vedder's mumbling a lot of times. I knew the words of the major songs, Even Flow, Better Man, Jeremy, Corduroy, D.L. Ledbetter, things like that. Mm-hmm. But for songs like A Rearview Mirror, which is how they closed out before the first encore, I had no idea. But That's it was bad awesome. if you don't know, you can't sing the, the closeout song. It is, but it's it was also feeling. 34 songs deep. That's true. It was an amazing performance. The rearview mirror was nuts. They had uh, a great shot of the stage from above, and they would actually do like different things on the stage. So at one point, they had it look like planets, and it was like spinning the mm-hmm. camera. They had like a strobe light going. It was just unbelievable. At one point, Eddie Vedder even threw the microphone out to the crowd and let a person sing the chorus to one of his songs. So it was pretty fantastic. Amazing show. Definitely want to see them again after I've been able to listen to them a little bit more. And prepare, but I really recommend Fenway as a venue too. It was it's really cool how they set everything up out in the outfield, and just the, the whole atmosphere was Pearl Jam all weekend. Everybody I saw there, even on Saturday, a day when they weren't playing a show, was just people wearing Pearl Jam t-shirts, hats, carrying around. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was incredible. So definitely recommend seeing Pearl Jam. Definitely recommend going to Fenway Park. Let's talk about. I don't recommend that. <laughs> I mean, is Yankee Stadium really that much better? Yeah. In fact, Bias. it's also much Bias. easier to get to. <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really easy drive. It is. Or you just a train station but you're that also, stops right there. You're also in the Bronx, so. No, you're not in the Bronx. Watch <laughs> the throne. Five the, years The Yankees, old. 28 championships, almost. How many of those were you alive for? Five. 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 You were, you were yeah. alive for five of them. Yeah. Two, what, it was 96 to 2009? Correct. Shout out Goat Rod sh- sh- and, shake and, and two head. other pennants. They lost S-M-D-H in 01 and 03. At that, at that name, Goat Rod. Yeah, I mean he is technically one of the goats. He is not one of the goats. He is. It's the statistics. <laughs> statistics inflated by. We don't need to go there. We'll save that for the Mercy Rule podcast when I get invited on to guest host that. This week's episode, me and Chris Lavataya talk about A-Rod and his legacy and whether he should be in Monument Park <laughs> in Yankee Stadium. So check that out. SoundCloud.com slash Mercy Rule. Said yes, you... Chris is not an A-Rod fan. Good. Well, then I hope Chris rode hard for A-Rod not being in the Hall of Fame. But... Well, we're talking about Monument Park. He won't get in the Hall of Fame because... Monument you know, Park is stupid. Everybody gets in there. Yeah, I know. So Hence he'll, why he needs to he'll get in. He has two MVPs. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of... Three, technically. People who are actually the GOATs. Kanye... Jay Z. Jay Z's not a goat. In my watched mind. the throne five years ago. Oh wow! Jay Z's not a goat in your mind. He wrote Biggie's coattails. Ask Nas <laughs> if you need more details. Wow! This is this is like a twelve-year-old stance, man. Yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> uh, well, Jay Z definitely one of the most respected. Nah, he's a goat. I just I'm not a huge fan of Jay Z. That's okay. You don't. You don't he have has to like be. six bad albums. It's kind of a problem. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all you need Kanye to do has is... zero bad albums. Zero bad albums. Yeah. No one in rap for sure has a better album streak than Kanye, and few people in all, any any genre of music have that kind of bar of quality. I feel like you would argue Drake has this this level of quality. Drake only has four four and a half five albums though. Oh, with varying levels of quality. Kanye has all, album, all his albums are critically acclaimed. Even Life of Pablo is critically acclaimed. What do you mean even Life of Pablo? Well, because some people like to say it's a worse album. I'm still a fan. I don't think it's his worst album. And we did our rankings on yeah. Life of Pablo. If you want to go find us, rewind this about three minutes. I gave a shout out to our, our SoundCloud page. SoundCloud.com slash Nostalgia Pot episode two, Life of Pablo review. Anyways. <laughs> so watch The Throne, five years old. Can you believe it? Do you yeah, remember where you were the first time you listened to it? 2011? In August? You probably, yeah, probably was, had a Boy Scout camp. I was, I was in the woods. That's probably was nice. quite the experience. I don't think I actually listened to it until I was back at school. I didn't listen to it right away. But the lead-up single was Ham, and then... Otis? Otis in Paris. And Take then, Off in the Fall. Yeah, and Words in Paris. No Church in the Wild was the fourth single off that? Was it a single? It's the first song on the album. They definitely had a music video for it, so I'm assuming mm. it was at least oh, yeah, released okay. as a single at some point. So, what do you think of this album? I mean, it's five years old now. Does it still live up to... It's one of the few rap collaboration albums that actually panned out and was successful. And I still think it has a lot of really good tracks. I kind of listened to it not that long ago, front to back. I think my favorite song is Gotta Have It, just because the back and forth trading of bars between Jay-Z and Kanye is really good. And people don't do that that often. It's really awesome. I mean, the songs that jump off the top of my head, and or at least when I was thinking about this album where that's my bitch mm-hmm. i think the drums in that song are fantastic and oh, production like, front to back is oh, great amazing it's a yeah, cla- kanye's kanye yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> who gonna stop me yep huh? bum, 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 bum. Yeah. That, that part always in my head when i think this Shout out Flux and then the joy having curtis mayfield finish that was the, the bonus album. track yeah. yeah it was pretty fantastic yeah. so those are the ones that jump out at me do you feel like this album holds up from where it was five years ago did yeah, it, I think so. Do you think it aged well? Do you yeah, think yeah. it's yeah? I think so. I think I think it's really solid. Otis is a is a ten out of ten rap song. That that song's amazing. Oh, it is. You know, yeah, I think it's really good. And again, it gets a lot of brownie points for being collaboration. Sure, especially for two mega stars with huge egos and huge catalogs at the time they made it. The album art definitely speaks to Kanye at the time. Followed up, of course, with Cruel Summer, which is you know the very similar the silver cover. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like it. I mean, the, the back half, I'm not a huge fan of some of those songs, but I think it's a really solid project. It's yeah. tough to rank when you're thinking of like Kanye's albums. Jeez, I'd hardly ever rank Jay-Z's albums, but thinking of Kanye's albums, I don't know, that and Cruel Summer are kind of hard to find a place in, right. just because they're so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they pull from a lot of different people. I mean, well, obviously Jay-Z is m- mainly in this one, but mm-hmm. they pull from a lot of other people on Cruel Summer. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a good music album, not a... Right. Yeah, yeah and, and In Paris is a song where I think the beginning of that is literally used... Con- I feel I feel like I hear that oh, in movies? everywhere. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah movies, of course. basically. Yeah. We're going to skate to one song, one song only. Yeah. Like, oh, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> that so. was uh, Blades of Glory from, what, yeah. 06? Yeah, and only only <laughs> Kanye could like take something like that and put it in, and it becomes like iconic. Yeah. So <laughs> Definitely a great album. I don't really even want to talk about this next topic, Dave. We Do have we have to? to. We have to. Because we, we, we teased, or I guess not teased, we You said you were looking forward to it. I was, I, and I had Robert Mace from The Ringer. Yeah, the really, NFL writer. Yeah. yeah, he had a really accurate tweet where it was like, in December, you saw a Suicide Squad trailer, you're like, oh, this looks amazing. And then up until like Tuesday, you saw it, read all the reviews, and you were like, crap, this is going to suck. And then the day before, you're like, ah, maybe it won't be so bad. And then <laughs> after you see it, you're like, 
why the fuck did I do that to myself? Jason Concepcion had a good one. He was like, David Ayer plays a lot of Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's kind of how it felt for major parts of the movie. There's a lot to be said, man. Where do we start with this? I mean, it was bad. Uh, Suicide Squad is not a good film. It suffers from <laughs> terrible characterization and pacing problems. The script is really uneven. And the fact that they were competing with two different cut, at least two different cuts of this movie, which were very different in tone, is very obvious. Mm-hmm. This movie was literally, this is facts, was edited by the editing house that cut the trailer, the Pain Rhapsody trailer. Warner Brothers, clearly, they were like, you know, you have to do this, you have to change this, blah, blah, blah. Make and David Ayer was like, well, I have to change this. And I give David Ayer a lot of credit for standing by his movie mm-hmm. and saying that he likes it, even if he doesn't. Because I'm sure whatever he initially wanted to make is not what we got in the film. Kept he did not go down with the ship. He did not pull a Josh Trank, the guy who viscerated his Fantastic Four before it even mm-hmm. came out. And Fantastic Four was terrible, way worse than Suicide Squad. Miles but Teller taking that L. He actually did a decent job in the movie too. Hmm. I watched it on the plane. I, I was like, I did not watch it. That's one of the movies where, like, obviously, I like superhero movies. I like the cast, but I was like, yeah, you know, I like the cast, and everyone says it's so terrible. Let me evaluate it for myself. <laughs> It wasn't as bad as they said. It's like a four. Yeah. Oh, is it, it, so the, what would you give Suicide Squad in comparison? Five and a half. Wow, I'd give it a three. <sighs> oh, man. That's... I'm pretty. I'm very low on this movie. I think I should mention, I saw this in the second row of the theater, so I might have missed a lot of things that made it fantastic or not fantastic, but at least better than mm-hmm. a three. But, I mean, there were a lot of problems with this. I want to start with maybe the thing that's most disappointing to me. Margot Robbie didn't really do it for me. Harley Quinn seemingly was a lot of one-liners. We mm-hmm. got those in the trailer. Most of them didn't hit. I felt towards the end of the movie, she had like a hard New York accent that started coming out. I mean, I'll let that slide. That's fine. But I think the bigger problem is I don't know if Harley Quinn is a character that can really lead a film. And in this, in Suicide Squad, she was written to lead this film next to Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if that, that character is right for that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily going to put this on Margot Robbie, you know, get what you have to work with. I right. just think it might be the character was misused. It's actually funny that you mentioned the one-liners because I feel like when you watch the movie Deadshot, played by Will Smith, his one-liners were much funnier and landed much better. Yeah, I think Will Smith is the most endearing part of the movie. Absolutely, And it's despite the fact that he's just playing Will Smith. I know. He's basically... He's just playing an amalgamation of all his past iconic roles, uh, Men in Black. And Hancock. He, yeah, Hancock. Uh, he was basically even Wild Hancock. Wild West. But yeah, I think the first the first third of the movie, I was entertained. I was like, right, I, yeah. I see what you're doing on. I like what, what's going on. Mm-hmm. I got some chuckles from Deadshot specifically. And I was like, okay, let's see where this goes. And then and then the fault fucking goes off the rails right away in Act 2. Jeez, Act, act 3, it was an abomination. And really where you can see like uh, yeah, they reshot a ton of that and it's mm-hmm. thrown together and the movie was rushed yeah and, you know, the editing really really disserviced it but honestly like the idea of the Suicide Squad right a team of bad guys mm-hmm. villains that are you know being forced to do something good that's a great premise and that's why this really is so disappointing because I feel so burned by this movie because the idea was good and we thought from that Bohemian Rhapsody trailer that we're like, okay, they get it. They understand what this movie needs to do. And they just, they didn't characterize half of the people. And they had a cliche villain that had the classic take over the world, vague 
plot MacGuffin thing in right. the sky. It seemed like they had their great idea and then didn't execute it on it almost immediately. And Enchantress wasn't developed as a bad guy at all. I mean, oh, man. It, it, that, <laughs> Enchantress is terrible, man. I, I mean, first of all, think about this. The whole plot moved along because June Moon whispered a word in her sleep. Yep, that's correct. I mean, that, yeah. that that's why the world was yeah. falling apart. That's a ridiculous way to, to move a plot along. I know. Here's, here's, my, here's my thing, too. Is This is our third movie in the DCEU, right? Man of Steel, mm-hmm. BVS, Suicide Squad. You're already introducing magic. Straight up magic. <laughs> right. She literally teleports to Iran and steals secret files to help <laughs> sell the task force. But... See, that's another problem, too. The third act really does this. They didn't. They had no rules here. Enchantress seemingly had these crazy powers, but yet she, she lost in the stupidest way at the end. Right. In the final battle against people that don't really have much. Like, Harley Quinn, you should have killed her immediately. Like, and I'm saying it's a, it's a comic book movie. This story as a comic book would have functioned a little better. I'm okay with gaps in logic, but when there's no goodwill from the beginning, I, it just builds up. And, I mean, in thinking about... Enchantress. I mean, her brother kind of came out of nowhere yeah. as her sidekick, or I don't even know yeah. what. And they say all... the character's apparently called Incubus. Oh. Speaking of rock bands, <laughs> they don't actually name him, name drop him. Minor guy from the comics. Enchantress's brother, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, stupid CGI thing. The other thing I didn't like, oh yeah, I have these mindless husk army. They'll look interesting. And <laughs> Amanda Waller, Viola Davis... Who she, I think she did, she did a decent job for what she was working yeah. with. She's like, man, these things, not even a headshot takes them down. Actually, no, that's exactly what takes yeah, them down. Exactly, yeah. N- nothing can take these but things down. But also, like, the, the plot doesn't make sense, too, starting with Act 2, because, like, once Enchantress just suddenly goes rogue and, like you said, says the word in sleep, goes bad, and, like, oh, we need a suicide squad. But he also had Rick Flagg and his, like, soldier homies. So what did you really need the suicide squad for? Because they were seemingly perfectly capable. Like, all right, they, we're going to walk. A few blocks, go in this building. Oh, wait, we're rescuing Waller, who I guess couldn't get out of this building for whatever reason. One helicopter gets shot down, unclear how. Second helicopter gets shot down. That was what the Joker showed back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, more of the Joker this later. This baked. But... <laughs> that line. <laughs> oh, my God. Literally none of it made sense. And I think what was really disappointing to me, in the trailers leading up, the way that they made it look was like it was going to be Suicide Squad versus the Joker, which in and of itself is a really cool twist you basically put two lovers against each other you put maybe the greatest villain in any comic book ever yep. against a bunch of other pretty mm-hmm. cool villains i mean it was gonna have to be a stretch on how the joker was able to match up against them by himself but th- there's but a lot of ways i could have pulled that together 80 years of comics making that stretch right so that would have been a much cooler concept than having a magic witch come out of nowhere and start taking over the world yeah I think my thing with the Joker is he neither needed to be the main villain of the movie or not in the movie. And that's nothing against the Joker. I actually thought there there's some some good from Leto's performance. I'd like to see it in a better setting. Mm-hmm. But we can't have the Harley and Joker movie and the Suicide Squad movie in no. together. Just they're doing it, too much. Joker just wasn't in the movie enough that it just felt like he was just kind of like coasting through popping in and just I guess I'll start the Joker now I kind of liked like what they were doing like he liked the whole like the gangster vibe um, you did crime boss oh it was different and it was different like he's driving like the purple Lamborghini and stuff but he's also kind of unsettling I thought his performance was interesting and I think if he's actually given more to do and he filmed a lot more that wasn't in the cut to do the Joker they said no one could be better than Nicholson so they went a way different direction 
Heath Ledger, obviously. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if we're going to do this character again, you need to be different than Heath Ledger. Now, he's still kind of maniacal and, and kooky. That's kind of the character. But the crime boss thing, being actually kind of a, a public figure, you know, common, right. and all those tattoos kind of shows up to him. Like, he's mm-hmm. an accessible guy. I think that's an interesting take on it. I just like to see it more fleshed out. It was interesting, and I thought he was still very creepy. The scene yeah. where like Baron Holtz who's, plays the guard, and I'm guessing he was probably thrown in the movie for that comic relief because 100%, yeah. I can't imagine that he was originally cast to play a guard who was that goofy and just weird. I think the beginning definitely was changed as well. Personally, I think right. the beginning, sh- the movie should have started with Waller at that dinner. Yeah. Just given the dossiers, explaining everyone, Absolutely. we didn't need to start off with Deadshot and Quinn. No. getting th- those scenes with Baronholtz. Yeah, the Joker, there were, I think that was the thing, is he was still very creepy. Like, that scene with, like, Baronholtz, where he's, you know, oh, we're gonna be friends or whatever. Sure, I, I get it. And you gotta have him for the background on Harley Quinn. But he just shouldn't have been in this movie if he wasn't gonna have a, a bigger role. I mean, basically, he shows up five times throughout the movie. And the, the scene with him and Harley Quinn, where he jumps into the bat of chemicals. Yeah, that was, like, that was like a flashback thing. I literally could have done without that ever in my life. That's similar to comic origins, but right. it just didn't flow with the movie at all. It no. didn't need to be there. Honestly, what they probably should have done, and I know that this is goes back to a conversation we've had before in the past about how Marvel has earned the Avengers in the Civil War movies. Yeah. And DC has not earned any of this. This is their third movie. <laughs> is they should have done a Joker and Harley Quinn versus Batman movie. Just like they should have done a Batman movie before they did a Batman versus Superman movie. Absolutely. And if they had established them as, as villains that, even though obviously they're against Batman, who's a very beloved character, mm-hmm. the Joker is a very beloved character in and of itself, and Harley Quinn has like a cult following. Oh, she's super popular. So, it's actually really impressive considering she's didn't exist until the 90s. Yeah, she's like, what, 25 years old? Yeah, she originated from the Batman animated series. If they had done that and established them as characters that we knew, we liked, you could have done a lot more background work on Mm -hmm. them. I mean, you could have had the first act be totally, you know, Joker and Harley Quinn. Sure. Moved into a conflict with Batman in the the last two acts in in a movie like that. Harley only recently was in the Suicide Squad in the comics, but also when Waller's explaining everyone, Deadshot doesn't miss a shot. Okay, that's useful. Right. Diablo controls fire. Okay, that's useful, right? Mm-hmm. Killer Croc, uh, big dude. Okay, fine. But Harley Quinn, oh yeah, she's crazy. That's why we need her. If the main villain was the Joker, it's like, oh, Harley Quinn, she knows the Joker better than everyone. Right. That's why we need her. So even right. her inclusion in the Suicide Squad didn't make it, sense for the sense. story. Right. But if you had set them up as characters that people liked, and then you pitted them against each other in this movie, that would have been so much more interesting. Yeah. We would have had a lot more buy-in to, to yeah. Harley Quinn. I would have, even if she acted the way that she did in this movie, which I think at times didn't make any sense to her character, I don't think Harley Quinn wants to have a future with the Joker where they're living a life with two kids and he's like a businessman, she's a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. That's not believable that's not, at all. That's not the future she wants. Yeah. That's, that was really, that was strange. I well. could not believe that for a second. She is in love with him, that makes sense, but I think sure. she's in love with the craziness. You know? Right. That, like, she, she had her, in her, in her own right, becomes crazy. She never tried to fix him. She always just tried to... I, I, I could go on about that. I mean, that's another thing, too, with the rest of the team. Three in particular totally stand out as having, you know, nothing about them. They really bring nothing to the table. Killer Croc, <laughs> Katana, and Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang, I thought, was... For what he was, he was kind of funny. What about Slipknot? <laughs> you know, the worst thing about Slipknot is... Adam Beach, the actor who plays him. He's a great actor. Yeah, he, he's a Native American. He's like the Native American actor nowadays. Right. Like, you know, like the new West studie. I, I didn't know he was playing him. I was like, oh yeah. Adam. It's funny. I saw the movie with my dad and my dad's like, I brought up something. He's like, oh yeah, that was um, 
the the new the new West Indy that was a uh, beach right and I was like mm-hmm. Adam Beach and I looked it up and I was like yeah we got it Adam Beach but yeah he literally is in the movie for no reason it's like Slipknot they basically oh. had to have him to show that there were some kind of stakes with Flab and, and which, I, you know again they they almost understood the idea they had because Baron Holtz was like you shoot shit you burn shit Slipknot you climb shit like they understood that they our, each our, have skills our villains and it's uh, and they just didn't do it like, <laughs> oh my god. Killer Croc definitely didn't bring anything, and except for some like comic relief. Barely, I guess but it, the like, line delivery was 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 so muffled. You you made fun of Bane's voice for Dark Knight Rises. You could barely understand what Killer Croc was saying. Right, but and it was all very like, stereotypical black person. Yeah, like, at the well, fun, at BT. Like, yeah, and like Harley okay. Quinn. I mean, if you want to talk about the stereotyping characters, I mean Harley Quinn basically became uh, a crazy girl in a short shirt and and panties. Oh yeah, there's some very uh, intentional camera angles for Harley Quinn, right, no and, doubt. And, and she's controlled by a male figure. I mean, this is there, there's a lot of there, problems there, with that. Character. There was actually a, a a decent amount of violence against women, both yeah. explained and shown. Whether it's Deadshot threatening to punch Waller, somebody else said it. Batman literally decking Quinn, which I guess made sense at the time. El Diablo literally, before he kills his wife, he's mad at her that she didn't want to go get it on. And like some of that fine and good for bad characters, but when you build it up all like that, and it's just it's not earned. It doesn't doesn't. Sit El Diablo well. was maybe the character that was least earned in this movie that we were because they tried the to, for because they tried to make it like exactly. Act. So he's sitting at that bar talking about how his family, how he killed his family, basically, and. I, I think that they really wanted that to be a big emotional point in the movie, and I was literally sitting there like, okay, so what? She's but, crazy! But, I think it's, I lost one family, not losing another. You didn't lose one family, you, you killed them. Right. They and, weren't taken away from you, it's because you were a piece of shit. And are you referring <laughs> to the team that you didn't even want to help until yeah. like an hour before as your new family? Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> and, and, and Katana, it's, I oh, feel like she's, Katana... she's here to flag, so like, she's here to protect my back. If you say so, okay, fine. <laughs> and then you also, also I she really, has the thing where she's crying with the soul sword yeah. and stuff. Totally not explained. Mm-hmm. Totally not earned. Well, no, it, and, and it really doesn't even matter. Basically, the way they explained it was Flag just out of nowhere goes, her husband was killed with that sword and it took his soul. Yeah. Okay. And every, like, everyone no. all turns their heads? Ah, all right. Oh, yeah, all right. No big deal. And the audience is like, mm-hmm, yeah. sure. So it was... Again, if some of these <laughs> characters... The world building is almost there. Viola Davis is like... Oh yeah, the the bat scared Croc out of Goth. Show me, don't tell me. Right. If he did this in a movie beforehand, and then he pops back up in Suicide Squad, you're like, perfect. Captain Boomerang had an awesome Flash cameo. I thought that yeah, was awesome. Absolutely. It would have been cool if we had seen Boomerang at least initially. Like like you know, like that opening scene where you see the good guy take down a bad guy? That could have been Captain Boomerang. Right, or like, or something Batman like, that. like fighting, you know, Croc out of Gotham or something like but, that. But like those three characters are so unessential. And then at the end of the day, it was Flag's goons and their bomb that I know. actually matter. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I guess El Diablo is important because I mean, I, I I couldn't believe he's actually dead. I thought he was definitely coming back. I knew they needed to kill someone, and as soon as I was like, okay, now nah, he's gonna set up and, and fight, uh, he's gone. I kind of saw that one coming, but no one else really kicked the bucket. I don't even want to count Slipknot. He was in the movie for two seconds, basically. <laughs> There's actually a, a cool little bit where he like he, he's like doing his wall climbing shit, yeah. shoots up, and then boom, his head goes. And I was like, oh, okay, right. I and guess that was effective, right? It, but you literally yeah, just introduced him at the last second. Oh, wait, oh, he's in the, he, he's the one who punched a woman. Oh Slipknot. yeah, yeah, jeez, mm-hmm. yeah, so much. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean. I don't even know what, what else to say about this. I'm really disappointed. I mean, I wasn't... The, the Joker disappointed me. Deadshot was cool. 
Harley Quinn disappointed me. Everybody else was kind of, eh. I mean, I guess Waller was a good character, but... Yeah, I, I didn't understand why she killed her team at the end. Apparently they didn't have clearance, man. So you say. Actually, you know who was a really great character? In the room of, like, generals and like, high up, higher-ups and... The, yeah. That, that one guy who somehow, I guess, like... The guy from the newsroom. What, was it the guy from the newsroom? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're uh, talking... No, no, no. I, I'm talking about not not the guy who... Um, he's also who, he was black also, mask. He was also in Stranger Things, actually. Oh. Was, uh, okay. I for, I'm forgetting his name's escaping me right now. But it was just the other random guy who, sure. like, he, he didn't want Enchantress to touch him after she brought him the secrets from Iran. Yeah. When Enchantress started ending <laughs> the world, he was like, I thought we had it contained! That line, I literally started <laughs> laughing out loud in the theater because of the way it was delivered and how it literally made no sense. It went from Enchantress, it, like, escaped, to all of a sudden this guy is screaming this and the world's being destroyed. And that's the other thing, too. If Enchantress is villain, that's fine. But the fact that it's a cataclysmic event in progress that's taking place over a few days mm-hmm. we know the flash is already kicking the flash would have showed up right in midway city to save an american city yeah so that doesn't make any sense Batman either. would have been there now if suicide squad was taking over some world threatening threat that was behind the scenes and the public couldn't tell was happening Sure, I think that's way better. Right, you can actually—that's actually kind of interesting. Absolutely. Now, this just reminds me of when Transformers covered something up, right? Go go leading up into the sequel. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, the government covered it up. It's fine. They don't. People don't know anything. Exactly. (laughs) And the Flash apparently he was too busy because you know it takes a while to get to Midway City when you're that fast. Also, if you want to, I mean, I think both these movies didn't do a great job developing their villain, but basically, Enchantress is Apocalypse. I mean, think about Apocalypse, it. They, Apocalypse has motivation, though. Yeah. It, Enchantress it, didn't really have motivation. It was just like, well, I'm really ancient, and I want to get power back with my, my brother. Apocalypse, at least, was pulling for the mutants, you know? Right. Well, well, the way they both explained it was, we used to be gods, and now we're not. Mm-hmm. So we must kill everything. Okay. I think Apocalypse. <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll, I'm just watching Apocalypse versus Suicide Squad at this point. And Apocalypse, actually, was basically the, Enchantress's brother, I guess, Incubus. And Enchantress put together. It was basically those two things. They so. both are similar in that their the only, powers are undefined. Right. The only difference was that basically Apocalypse had the suit, like got together a Suicide Squad against the rest of the X Men. Right. That was basically the movie. Suicide Squad. I'm out. Don't go see it. It's gonna be terrible at the box office this weekend. And the narrative next week will be how DC missed again and they're in trouble. Gonna have a big drop. Cinema score is a B plus. That's only slightly better than BVS's B. But it actually has a decent, has like an A minus with younger kids, younger people. Their eggs are in the Wonder Woman basket, a hundred and fifty percent. Gal Gadot. Now the one, I, I mean, it's tough to get excited for the DC stuff right now. But the rest of the DC movies will have Jeff Johns' influence once he became president of DC Films. So this guy was already in the pipeline before he took on, uh, came on. He's obviously a really famed DC writer. So we'll see. But yeah, next year, Wonder Woman and uh, the Justice League. Man, they got a steep. Climb out of them. You got... To some people, you've already had three strikes. Some people didn't like Man of Steel. But okay. geez, Man of Steel is like a best picture compared to Suicide Squad. They, <laughs> yeah. They've gotten worse. I think BVS is better than Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you on that completely. I mean, it's funny. I, I saw some funny tweets. Like, if BVS was one long, sad, gray turd, then Suicide Squad was just explosive diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Colorful explosive Which diarrhea. actually makes sense given the editing problems and how obvious yeah, they were. it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. That's... I've seen some people that are super hyperbolic, like it's like the, it might be the worst movie I've ever seen. I'm like, I don't know, that's a really low bar. 
Worst movie you've paid to see? Maybe if you have high standards at the box office, maybe that's true. I don't know. You know, I think this is just a really disappointing movie because there was yes. a lot. Of, there was so yes. much hope, and especially everyone's for, like, very burned. Yeah, especially for characters like Harley Quinn, Jared Leto's Joker. I mean, there was a lot that people were excited for. Oh yeah, and and one last play. thing: like Guardians of the Galaxy worked because those guys were failed characters through and through, right? right. This movie, Harley Quinn is like, oh yeah, we're bad guys. That's what we do. Deadshot's like, yeah, you know, I'm a bad guy. They're actually not bad guys. They're, they're pretty likable people. They're, they're, first of all, yeah, they're not bad guys. And then <laughs> when, when they actually have the chance to leave, when Flag yeah. d- destroys the thing and they all can go, none of them leave because they're actually good people. That would have been more interesting, too, is if in midway through Act 2, they all go full bad and try and escape. Right. Man. <sighs> well, Sigh. Uh, yeah. If, if you believe me at the beginning that we both really like Suicide Squad, I'm sorry that you waited this long to hear this. I hope Maddie TX15 is listening because this is not a movie we're very apologetic <laughs> on at all. So, if you have thoughts on Suicide Squad, if you like the Joker, you didn't like the Joker, any thoughts at all? Because obviously we have plenty. Yeah. Tweet at the show at Nostalgia Pod. You also can tweet at me at Martin Swagger. Tweet at Pat at Sheen World Peace. Shout out Matt World Peace. Shout out Panda. Yeah, and also leave us a review on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, so you can hear our dulcet tones as soon as we post the podcast. That really helps us, so if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, even if it's critical. I mean, we like we like bringing up Maddie TX. He might be the most uh, shouted out reviewer of all time. Yeah, so. why don't you take that designation from Maddie T and leave us a review? Yeah, a positive one. A subscribe does not cost you anything. You won't even yeah. notice. Exactly, in, in, until you're listening to some great analysis on, on your yeah. drive to work. Hopefully we'll have something a little more upbeat to talk about next week, but until then, take care. That movie fucking sucks. And this here's been a long round, so I gotta go. It's logic, the one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro?